Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Praise God. It's great to be with you. Great to be with you. And um, even in this cold weather, I love being with you. I was telling somebody I, I, I came prepared. I was coming prepared. I, I put on all these warm clothes underneath. And I said, well, that's probably not smart. They do have heaters in Wisconsin. <laughs> I'm going to be sweating it out. But I'll tell you what, you step outside in that cold. Woo, man, that's brutal. That is brutal. But you guys do it. And uh, I honor you for that. If you'll turn in your Bible with me, thank you for the opportunity to let me speak to you this morning. It was announced that I'd be here and all of you showed up, so that says something about you. I want to go to Luke chapter 5. Thank you, worship team. What an outstanding job. Beautiful presence of God. Amen. Are you thankful for your worship team? that flow in the anointing great word brother rob this morning and you flow in the anointing and I, and I love that in fact this morning during prayer uh sister angela uh was singing and sister was playing the piano and just i mean it was beautiful it sounded like a cd you know an anointed cd <laughs> you guys got a great talent but great anointing luke chapter 5 verse 17 And it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, speaking of Jesus, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought in a bed, a man which was taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, rise up and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins. He said to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise and take up thy couch and go into thine house. And immediately he rose up before them and took up that whereon he lay and departed to his own house glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. 
with the help of the Holy Ghost, I want to speak to you this morning, a, di a divine appointment. You've got a divine appointment this morning. Don't miss it. Can we go to the Lord in prayer? Lord, we love you. We thank you for your anointing. Thank you for the power of your spirit that we feel in this place, God. Thank you for caring enough about us in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin, to show up here today at Abundant Life. We're privileged, Lord Jesus. You've made arrangements. You've set up your schedule. You've set up your calendar to meet us here this morning. God, we pray in the name of Jesus, don't let us miss what the Holy Spirit is trying to say. Don't let us miss the opportunity that we have. Jesus Christ is in the house. Help us, Lord, to latch on with faith to every spoken word. Let your word go forth and fall on good ground. Help us, Lord, help our faith to rise to receive it in the name of Jesus, we ask. Everybody say in Jesus' name. Amen. And you can be seated. Have you ever asked yourself the question, why am I here? Why am I here? Growing up, I had a great friend named John Pond. We're, we're still friends to this day. We're best friends, in fact. He lives in Mississippi, though, and I live in Texas. He's got his own family. We don't hang out like we used to. But I remember some good times growing up with John Pond. He's, it was kind of like a Tom Sawyer, Huck Finn relationship, except that, well, I'm more of a city boy. But John is a country boy. And so I got everything that I need to know about the country from John Pond. We did some crazy things. We went cow tipping before. Anybody been cow tipping before? That's not nice. Well, I didn't really go cow tipping. I stood a far ways off and watched him go cow tipping before, you know, some of the bulls woke up and got a little angry. I was real close to the fence so I could just hop over real quick and he had to run a ways. We've done some crazy things. I drew the line though where, thank God, I drew the line where he wanted to be blood brothers. We had, I'm telling you, a Tom Sawyer Huck Finn relationship. And so he pricked his finger and said, here, today, we've got a covenant. <laughs> and I said, no thanks. <laughs> you know, you only go so far. But John is a good guy. Another crazy thing we did was we went skydiving once. And rule number one, you never go on Groupon to find a deal for skydiving, okay? You don't look for the best deal when you're going skydiving, okay? So if you ever go, I'm giving you some tips. Find the most expensive place and just pay it and you'll be okay. Let me tell you about our skydiving experience. I think, I can't remember when it was, maybe 10 years ago. And we were excited, and we were 
You know how young guys do. We were talking smack to each other. You know, we had done some crazy things, and so this was the next step. We were going to conquer the world together. But even though we were doing it together, there was still a competition between us. And, you know, so one person, we, we both had to show that we were strong, right? Neither one could crack. Neither one could show a hint of fear. So we played on. Now, I don't know about John. He is kind of crazy. But me, I put on a good front, or so I thought. You know, we paid, we paid, and, and the date was set, and we, as the weeks uh, passed and the day got closer, we were excited, and we kept talking about it, but, you know, the day of is a little different, and uh, let's just say I woke up that morning, I was a little nervous, the day of, you know, 10,000 feet in the air, what am I doing? So we take a trip out there. It's about a 45-minute to an hour drive to where we were going. I live in Austin. It's a little town called Lexington. It's probably a little bit over an hour, actually. Lexington, Texas. Now, I'd never been to Lexington, Texas. And as we are passing the barns and the stables, and I'm thinking, what in the world I'm a city boy, I'm in Austin, and we keep getting further and further out in the country. We pull down this gravel road, and I'm thinking, we're lost. We have to be lost. And there's shacks off to the side, chickens running around. And I see a guy come out of the shack, and he stops us, and he says, Literally, he's got maybe two or three teeth. And he says, y'all here for skydiving? Can you imagine the sweat? And of course, we were still talking it up. You know, we had courage. Not one of us was going to break. I don't know how John Pond was feeling, but I was feeling pretty woozy. So we got out of the car, and John, John's brother, older brother was with us. He was going to go, too. We go into one of these shacks, and you remember the old school desk where the, the desk is attached to the chair, and it just come, comes around? It's like a classroom in a shack filled with these desks, and a small, the smallest TV or monitor that you've ever seen, I don't know, 13 inches or whatever, just the smallest box, and on it is a safety video. And you know, it's got the white lines that are scrolling, the snow. How many of you would have backed out at this point? <laughs> Before that, huh? And so we sat down at the desk and we watched this safety video. And then they hand us a packet, you know, that's... Yay, thick. You can't see that. Why am I showing you? And we're signing our life away, basically. We won't sue. My family won't sue if I die and all this stuff. And so we step out, and they're packing our chutes in another shack. So we can't see them packing our parachutes. You have to jump with somebody first. You probably know that. 
You can't just jump out by yourself, but somebody has to be attached to you. So somebody's packing our chutes as we wait for the plane to come back. Can you believe there were actually people there ahead of us who were skydiving? And we wait on the plane to get back. Well, the guy comes out with my parachute and, you're, and you have a harness that straps over your shoulders and up here on both legs. And I was a bigger boy at that time, probably 30 pounds heavier than I am now. And so he, you know, tightens me up a little bit and I'm asking him, so what's your success rate? <laughs> you ever lost anybody? He said, oh, I've done about 6,000 jumps probably and haven't lost anybody yet. I said, that was a pretty good odds. So I'm feeling a little bit better. Now, two of you can go up at a time. So me and John, we're going to go up. He, was, he had his instructor. I had mine. And it's a little crop plane, a little Cessna. And we get in there. And I'm not kidding you. I, I really don't have the imagination to make this stuff up. So there's duct tape holding up the insides of this plane. Now, I don't know much about planes, and that may not mean much about the interior of the plane. It may be just fine. But for somebody who doesn't know anything about planes, I'm thinking, That's, something doesn't seem right. But now we're kind of stuck. Kind of. I suppose I could have jumped out, but who's going to jump out of the plane when your best friend's there and you've been talking smack this whole time? I'm not going to bow out now. So I'm in a... I'm in a constant state of repentance by now <laughs> but I'm not getting off that plane and so you're hooked you know those those key rings that you have uh they, they kind of go on your belt your belt loop key ring that you're hooked by four of those two up top on the shoulder and two kind of lower back and I and you're in front of the instructor well, it's about a 15-minute ride, plane ride to wherever you're going, 10,000 feet up. And then the engine cuts off, and you're just kind of floating there. And now's the time. And guess who was first? So we move to the edge of the plane, and the instructor tells me, all right, on the count of three, you just kind of roll out. I said, Okay. He gives you instructions before you fall. He says, I'm going to wave. We're going to fall for 45 seconds. Just going to be a free fall. I'm going to wave my arms in front of you. And that's how you'll know that I'm about to pull the chute. Because when you're up there and the air is, is so loud as you're going down, you, you can't hear me. I need to signal you. And I'll wave my arms and I'll pull the chute. So he gives me those instructions. And he says, all right, on the count of three, just roll out. So he counts to three. And I don't budge. <laughs> and he says, okay. Again, uh, remember, on the count of three, you just roll out. So he counts to three again, and I just, just can't move. I'm paralyzed. And he says, all right, we'll, we'll try it again, and I'll help you this time, okay? We're just going to roll out. One, two, three, and here we go. I didn't even hear three. We were just out. 
And immediately, the first thing I do, I'm looking back, I'm feeling back. Okay, he's there. <laughs> and now I can enjoy it. So for 45 seconds, whoo, what a rush. Now, you people who've been in the service, you're like, please, I've done this a million times, right? I know you've jumped out of planes, but for somebody who's, who's never done that, this is my first time, what a rush. And you're thinking, why would you pay for that? And so the moment of truth comes and he waves his arms in front of me. And so I know here it comes. He says, you're going to feel a little tug. So he pulls the chute and I fall through my harness. The, what was supposed to be right here on my legs holding me, I fell through and my knees now that harness was on the back of my knees and my arms are like this. And I was really repenting. <laughs> and I said, sir, uh, something's not right here. And I was hanging on for dear life. Can you imagine? That's not supposed to happen. You're supposed to be pretty well harnessed in. And, uh, Needless to say, I was just ready to get to the ground. Once I knew I wasn't actually falling all the way through, I was actually going to survive if I just hung on for dear life. I just wanted to get to the ground. Well, guess what happens when you get to the ground? You got to kind of run. Stop yourself. Well, I couldn't run. Let me tell you, I hurt for two weeks after that. What an experience. When you go skydiving, don't look on Groupon, all right? Don't go to Lexington. I almost had a divine appointment with God <laughs> that day. Would I do it again? Are you crazy? Why am I here? I was asking myself that question 10,000 feet in the air. Why am I here? In the opening passage that I read to you, Luke chapter 5, verse 17, and it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Did you catch that? The doctors and Pharisees of the law were sitting by. The religious leaders of the day sat resolute. They were dignified. They were composed as Jesus was teaching. These were arrogant folks. These were the kind of folks that got the extra duty heavy starch at the cleaners. Every time. These were the kind of folks that were eaten up with pride. They didn't want Jesus to heal people on the Sabbath day. So they would sit and listen to Jesus teach. And if somebody was healed, can you imagine that? They don't want somebody healed on the Sabbath day when you're so eaten up with pride and jealousy that 
Jesus is teaching and Jesus can work miracles and you won't subject yourself to the master. Jesus was sitting there. The power of God was present to heal them. Can I tell you, they had a divine appointment with God Almighty. And they missed it. Instead of going to the doctor's office to be healed by the great physician, they went to argue his credentials. They showed up at their divine appointment trying to find fault in the doctor. Oh, where'd you go to school? Really? Who was your teacher? Can you imagine that? That doesn't make sense to us, does it? You ever known an arrogant person or two? Me too. Can I tell you something that God resists the proud? But he gives grace to the humble, James 4, 6 says. Can I tell you, God's not impressed with your last name. God doesn't really care how many degrees that you have or if you have none at all. He doesn't care how much money you have in the bank or how great of a person you may be. He's not interested in your family tree. He's not interested in how strong, how good looking you are, or even how religious you are. As the Bible says, if you are proud, you are an enemy of God. If you do not have humility, God is actively working against you. And honey, I don't want to be on your team if God's working against you. And I wouldn't expect you to want to be on my team if God's working against me. We're going to lose. Humility is the key that fits every single door worth opening. I'll say it again. So nice, I got to say it twice. Humility is the key that opens every single door worth opening. These Jewish leaders were experts in the law. They knew the law of God front and back. They could tell you what was sin and what wasn't. They had their doctorate in the law of God. Sometimes we're so smart that we lack common sense. You know, you've heard the the story before about Dr. Watson and Sherlock Holmes, haven't you? They pitched their tent under the stars, went to sleep. Sometime in the middle of the night, Holmes woke Watson up and said, Watson, look up at the sky and tell me what you see. And Watson said, I see millions and millions of stars, Holmes said, and what do you deduce from that? And Watson replied, well, if there are millions of stars, and if even a few of those have planets, it's quite likely that there are some planets like Earth out there. And if there are a few planets like Earth out there, there might also be life. And Holmes said, Watson, it means that somebody stole our tent. (laughs) So smart, but lack common sense. You ever known anybody like that? 
Too much education, but too little faith. And it came to pass on a certain day as Jesus was teaching, there were Pharisees and, the do- and doctors of the law sitting by. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Can I tell you that if you came to church this morning expecting nothing, that that is exactly what you'll leave church with, nothing. You get what you put into this, and if you just come to sit idly by and just wait to see what happens, but you're not really interested in giving anything and not really interested in receiving anything from Almighty God today, if you came with the attitude that I'm just going to sit here and see, can I tell you, if you're not expecting, you won't leave with anything. But Jesus is in the house today. God Almighty is in the building today. And don't miss your divine appointment because God is here. And because God is here, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Don't sit by too proud, too educated, too rich. I love what Pastor Kylie says. You may think you're on the other end of the spectrum. Oh, I'm none of those things. I'm not smart enough. I'm not talented enough. And I love what Pastor Kylie says, that the devil can't convince you that you're a success. He'll convince you that you're a loser. One way or the other, opposite extremes. Devil doesn't care how he lies to your mind, how he gets you. It's just that you believe it. That's all he wants you to do is accept it and believe it, that God is here, but I'm here, and I can't get anything from God because, well, it's just me. The power of God is in the room to heal you today. Why am I here? Perhaps you came to church today because your friend or your neighbor or your coworker invited you for the 26 and a half time, and you said, okay, I'm going to make good on that promise. I'm finally going to come. I'm finally going to get this monkey off my back. I'm going to come to the house of God. Or perhaps you're a longtime member of this church. You pay tithes here. This is your home church. This is what you do on Sunday. Did you just come to see what happens? Can I encourage us, all of us, myself included, to humble ourselves and rethink our position? That this is not just Sunday morning at 10 a.m. And this is not just what we do. But Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Can I encourage us to reconsider? Anything can happen in your life. God can change your life in a moment. Don't miss your divine appointment. And before we go any further, can you help me? Can we just pray together? Can we close our eyes and just say a simple prayer? God, forgive us of our apathy. God, forgive us of our complacency. Forgive me, God, for an idle spirit. Forgive me, Lord, for taking for granted. Come on, can we pray Psalm 139 together? Search me, oh God, and know my heart and see and and know my thoughts and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I don't want me to get in the way of you, God. I don't want to miss my divine appointment. Amen. And you showed up to your divine appointment today. And that was half the battle. You showed up. Don't miss what the great physician has for you.
And behold, men brought in a bed which was, that was taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before Jesus. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went on the house and let him down through the tiling before Jesus. Maybe, just maybe, you showed up at your divine appointment this morning because you know you need a miracle from God. Maybe your family is in crisis. We're all family here. It's okay to be honest and open. Maybe your family is in crisis. Maybe your marriage is on the brink of disaster. Maybe your children have a need. Maybe they're lost and they need God. Someone you know is very sick. They need a healing in their body. You're addicted to drugs or alcohol or unhealthy relationships or prescription drugs. Hear me, hear me. Maybe you're addicted and you need deliverance. You need to be set free. Maybe you need a personal healing from God in your body. You need a personal touch. Perhaps you're blind or you're deaf or you're handicapped physically or spiritually and you need a miracle from God. Can I tell you this morning, Jesus is here and he cares and is concerned with every single one of your needs. Why am I here? And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto him, man, thy sins are forgiven. Can you imagine the stillness in the room as all the commotion came to a halt? Can you imagine the tension maybe in the room? I'm just imagining you could hear a pin drop as Jesus said, your sins are forgiven thee. Can you picture the friends of the paralyzed man? I imagine them kind of looking back and forth at each other. What is he talking about? We just ripped off the roof. That's something me and John Pond would do. Crazy people. Well, somebody else will fix it. But we just went through all of that trouble to lay our sick, paralyzed friend before Jesus. And what does he say? Your sins are forgiven? I'm scratching my head. Does that make sense to you? Wait a minute, Jesus. Could this be the first time that you missed the boat? Do you not see? Do you not know? Our friend is paralyzed. He can't move. He can't walk. His sins are forgiven. We have no indication in Scripture that the friends thought this. Perhaps they didn't. But one group of people you can always count on, right? And that's the Pharisees. And they spoke up. They spoke up, the scribes and Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this which speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? See, they wouldn't even care. They didn't even care. The man was laying there lame, paralyzed. They didn't care. They wanted to say, oh, who can forgive sins but God? So blind to the situation because of pride, missing their own divine appointment, and then wanting to criticize the great physician. 
But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he knew what they were thinking. He said, what are you thinking? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say rise up and walk? I love this part. But that you might know that the Son of Man has power upon earth to forgive sins. He turned to the man that was, that was paralyzed and said, take up your bed and go into your own house. And immediately he did. Just so you know that I have the power to heal the man. Oh yeah, go ahead. Get up and walk. You have a divine appointment today. You, you may have come expecting something. I believe all of us in here today are in the category of somebody in need. And we know it. I, I choose to believe that everybody in here knows they have a need that God and only God can take care of. I choose to believe that. Nobody's going to be too staunch and arrogant before God this morning. Why? Because Jesus is here. There's, there's no way that could happen. So I believe the rest of us are in that category, the paralyzed man needing something from God today that only God can fix. Only God can take care of. That's me. I need it. Jesus is here. I'm not going to miss my divine appointment can I tell you this morning that God cares so much more about the condition of your heart than he cares about the condition of your temporary and fleeting and passing situation. He cares so much more about the condition of your soul than he cares about the condition of your mortal and temporal body that will one day pass away. God cares so much about the state of your salvation. He cares so much more than your seemingly impossible and pressing need right now. We all have needs right now. We're all facing something right now. But God so badly wants to work a miracle for you today. And it may not be the miracle that you came expecting And can I tell you, he's ready. He's ready. We're not waiting on God. God's been waiting on us. He's ready. He wants to work an even greater miracle in you than you've ever imagined. The greatest miracle of all, God so badly wants to tell you, your sins are forgiven you. Go in peace. Why? Because everything else I can take care of. That's real easy for me to heal your body. It's real easy for me to save your marriage. It's real easy for me to put your family back together. It's easy for me to heal you of cancer in a blink of an eye. At the snap of my fingers, I can do it. But what I really want to do, the only thing that you can help me with is I want to forgive your sins. The only thing that you can really help me with is your faith. Will you give your faith to God today? He's given each one of us a measure, and we've got to give it back to him. Yes, Lord, whatever you want to do. But he can't do it unless you give him the opportunity. It was this man's faith, the faith of his friends that brought him to Jesus. And I can just picture Jesus, he's like a giddy little kid. He can't hold back the secret anymore. 
In most accounts in the miracles of Jesus, he would heal the body. And then if they came back, like the leper, coming back to thank him, coming back to give him praise, if they came back, he may reveal a little bit more about eternal life. You see, God worked miracles so that people could see he could forgive sins. That's the only reason why he did it. If he didn't work a miracle, would anybody believe him? If he came to earth and said, yep, I'm God, I can forgive your sins, would you believe him? There have been people like that before. And God said, the only reason why I I care to heal your body is because I care to heal your soul. That's the only reason. Can we understand? Can we grasp that today? salvation that's what God wants to offer you today more than anything else God wants to save your soul he wants you in eternity with him forever he doesn't want you to go lost and dying and go to hell there is a hell I know we don't like talking about that in our modern day society we don't like to mention that but there is a hell and God doesn't want you there eternally separated from him He wants you in heaven with him forever because you know what makes heaven? The presence of almighty God. That's what makes heaven. And God desires salvation for your soul today. Don't miss your divine appointment. And you may come expecting a healing. You may say, God save my marriage. I promise you, that's real easy for God to do. But give him your heart because God wants to fix your heart. Give him your soul, because God wants to save your soul. I told you my testimony, my family's testimony about coming in to the church, and we were broken, and we were lost, and my family was on the brink of disasters. My parents were on the brink of divorce. I told you all of that. Did you know my parents knew that something didn't change in their relationship, in their life, if they didn't have a God encounter, we would be broken. But what they did not know was that God wanted to save their soul. He doesn't want to just fix your temporary. He wants to fix your eternal. Will you let him fix your eternal? Will you let him fix your eternal this morning? Will you give your heart to God wholly and completely? God, I'm here for my divine appointment. I showed up and I don't want to miss what you have for me, God. Whatever it takes. God, lay aside everything, every weight, every hindrance, everything that's holding you back. God, I need you. I desire you. I've got to have you. When you have faith that these four men had bringing their their friend to Jesus, nothing was going to stop them. No person was going to stop them. The house was full. The house was full. But nobody was going to stop them. They weren't pushing and shoving and moving people out of the way. But they found a way. Nothing's going to stop me from getting to Almighty God. Is that your determination this morning? After all, you did show up. And that is half the battle. But why did, why did you show up? You don't want to just, why are you here? You don't want to just be here and leave the same way that you came. You came for something more. You came so you could be closer. God drew you here. You thought it may just be accident. You thought you may have just come here because it was on your schedule. You marked it and penciled it in, but God knew better. There's no coincidence with God. He set it up. He orchestrated it. It's a divine appointment from God Almighty. Don't miss your divine appointment. 
Praise God. Can we give him thanks? Can we give him praise? God, I'm not going to miss what you have. I'm not going to miss what you have for me. I'm all in, Jesus. I'm all in. Jesus Christ didn't perform miracles for the sake of performing miracles. In fact, in Luke 4, 18, he quoted Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. And we often think, oh yes, in the physical, we think about the physical manifestations of, of, of God's healing and, and, and God's, God's miraculous touch. We think about that, but can I tell you, it's more than that. To preach the gospel to the poor means all those who are destitute, all those who, who, who know their conscience makes them aware of their sins and their shortcomings and their failures and that they need a savior and that it was them that broke the relationship with God and that they need God. To heal the brokenhearted means to console those who are deeply afflicted, whose hearts are broken by external calamities or by a sense of their own sinfulness. Yes, God did these in the physical. Yes, God did these in the flesh. But he's really come to do it in the spirit, to heal your spirit. Deliverance of the captives means to grant deliverance to those who are in prison and restore them to their families, to give them liberty, to restore them to freedom, to literally open the doors of prison and release the mind that's been captive under sin. Anybody got a sin problem? The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the remedy is your divine appointment is set up and God, God Almighty is here for you. The great physician is wanting to heal your soul. That's the remedy. It was as if Jesus could not contain himself. He cut right to the chase because of your faith. This man's sins are forgiven him. It's like he almost forgot. He overlooked and didn't even realize, oh, I forgot you're paralyzed. Yeah, let me go back. I meant to do this first. Let me heal you. Piece of cake. But your faith brought you to me. And I can't deny faith. He said, except you become like one of these little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because it's childlike faith. God, whatever you want to do, Jesus, at your word, I will do whatever you say. Just say the word and I'll go. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. That's childlike faith. But we get older, don't we? We grow up, don't we? We get educated. We get proud, don't we? I'm talking to all of us, our sinful nature. And we lose that childlike faith, but it's still in us. It's just buried. It's just buried in there. Bring it to the surface. Come on, let it come to the surface. God is wanting to do a work in your life. Don't miss your divine appointment Luke 11 verse 9 says and I say unto you Jesus speaking ask and it shall be given you he didn't say beg and it shall be given you plead and cry and it shall be given you no he simply said ask and it shall be given you Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, 
and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asks, receives. Simple, childlike faith. Everyone that asks, re- receives. Him that seeks, finds. And to, who, to him that knocks, the door shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will you give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will you give him a serpent? Or if he asks an egg, will you offer him a scorpion? Of course not, Jesus. What are you saying? Well, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? The Holy Ghost. Salvation. We like to quote that scripture, right? God, I need a new car. I'm just going to knock. God, I need a new house. I'm going to knock. I need a job. I'm going to knock. I need this. I need that. I'm just going to knock. God doesn't care about that stuff. Wake up. He says at the end of the verse, how much more will he give the Holy Spirit? God wants to offer salvation. The rest is easy. You know what it is? It's control. That's what we all face. That's what we all deal with. It's control. We don't, we don't want to take our fingers off of it. Just give it to God. Childlike faith. He wants you to know I can take care of whatever miracle you need, but I want your soul saved. And God speaks. He says, I'm not a circus act. I don't perform miracles for the sake of performing miracles. There is a purpose, there is a reason why I do what I do. I have the power to heal because I have the power to forgive sins. Don't get it twisted. It's not the other way around. In other words, I have the power to forgive you of all your sins because I am God. The only miracle I really care to perform is a miracle of reconciliation, a broken friendship. I want a relationship with you, God says. I don't want you to have a religion. I don't want you to know the doctrines of the Bible and can quote them. I don't care about that. I want your heart. If I can have your heart, you'll be in this word every day. I won't have to worry about you you getting in the word. You won't have to worry about fighting and picking up the word every day against your flesh. You don't have to worry about that. If you fall in love with Jesus Christ, it comes natural. God says, I don't care about religion. I want relationship with you. And because I have the power, I'll heal you too. Your heart is all I want. So how do we show up then to our divine appointment? How do we make sure we're here? God set it up. The time is right. Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. How do we make sure that we don't miss it? That we don't just sit in the doctor's office and miss our appointment? I was in Ohio. I used to, I used to travel a lot. Well, I, I guess I still do travel. I, I travel a lot now, yes. But I, I used to go by plane. Now I'm poor and I take my car everywhere I go. But I sat in a lobby in Ohio waiting for the plane. And I had about 15 minutes. 
And uh, I don't have a problem falling asleep. I can fall asleep anywhere. Anywhere, anytime. I wish I was like some of you people who just can get two or three hours and that's all you need. I wish I was like that. But this is me. I was just sitting there and I figure, well, I'm, you know, I've, I've done everything that I need to do. I'm, you know, I've, I've read everything I need to read. I'm just going to take a little, little nap here. I was 10 feet from the gate. I heard the loudspeaker in my dreams. I was literally 10 feet from the gate. And I woke up about 25 minutes later, maybe. And I looked around and I thought, these are not the same people that were sitting here before. Or am I crazy? And so I'm looking at the, the, the uh, monitor and, well, I just can't make sense of it. I thought it was going to Austin, but I guess I'm going to North Carolina now. Maybe they redirected. Maybe there's bad weather. And so I got up and started walking around and, and then realized uh, with every passing moment and every step, I think I just missed my flight. How can I be 10 feet from the gate and the lady's right in front of me. She's right next to the gate. Did anybody not see me sleeping? Y'all don't care about me. Oh yeah, sure, I'm coming an hour and a half early to wait on a North Carolina flight. Nobody cared. Nobody can wake you up and do it for you. It's your divine appointment. I can't force you to come to the altar. I can't force you. Your friends can't force you. You can walk out of here the same way that you came in if you want to. You can miss your flight. It was the last flight of the night. So back out in the streets I go to find a place to stay and then come back the next day. You can miss it if you want. It's your choice. So how do we make sure we don't miss it? Hebrews says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, that carefully seek him, that take time to seek him. That don't just come and expect a handout, but no, I've got to seek him. If I really want to show somebody I love them, I don't just show up in their presence and let them do all the talking. I don't just show up in their presence and let them get the bill at the restaurant. I don't just show up and take and take and take and take. No, if I really want to show somebody I love them, I want to offer everything that I am to them. Do you love God this morning? I know you do. Your heart wants God. You desire God. Don't miss your opportunity. For what? Why would you come here and miss your chance with almighty God? Don't hang on anymore. Don't control it anymore. You've tried it this long. Has it worked out real well? I've tried it my own way, in my, in my flesh. I've done it my own way, in the way I thought. And it hasn't worked out. What's the alternative? Just give it to God. Faith, childlike faith. What faith is, is obedience in action. Just obeying the word of God. How then shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall he preach except he be sent? Well, I'm preaching to you this morning the word of God. 
And yes, I am a fallible human being, but these words that I speak are God's words, and they speak life. Aren't you thankful that you have a perfect word that you can go back to? You don't have to take my word for it. Read it in the scriptures yourself. The perfect word of God's going forth to heal your soul. Please don't miss your chance. Would the music come? Please don't miss your opportunity. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. God has given every man the measure of faith. He's placed it inside you. Will you let your faith rise up past all the junk, all the stuff that we get our minds into? Sometimes we're guilty of being like the Pharisees where we just come and and act like God is a circus and he's supposed to perform and he's supposed to entertain and he's supposed to teach and he's supposed to speak words of life and we just sit here just idly by. We didn't really come expecting anything. Sometimes we're guilty of that. We've all been guilty of that. We've all been there. And then sometimes... We know we have a problem. We know we got a need. We know our marriage needs help. We know it, but that's secondary. That's just secondary. God, I promise we'll fix that. Will you give them your heart? Will you offer your heart to God? Who needs the Holy Ghost? Does anybody need the Holy Ghost? Is there anybody in here who's not spoken in tongues? Anybody? It's okay. Just raise your hand. Anybody? If you need the Holy Ghost, don't miss your divine appointment with God. You see, God doesn't just want you in heaven with him. He wants you to to live the best life on earth too. God's not trying to steal your fun and steal your show. God knows that our end is destruction. He knows that our way leads to destruction. That we get ourselves into so much mess. God knows all of this about us and he's not trying to steal your fun. He's trying to give you freedom. There's freedom in letting somebody else decide. Letting somebody else take the reins. Letting somebody else have it. Childlike faith. When you were a child, you didn't have a care in the world. You had good parents. You knew your parents would take care of you. You knew every time you came home, they were there. If you had good parents... Some of you may not have had good parents. That's okay. God is the best father. He's a perfect father. He'll never give you anything that you don't need. But childlike faith that latches on and says, somebody loves me, somebody cares, and somebody's going to make the decisions for me. If I just submit, you don't have to figure it all out. You don't have to worry. You don't have to work it all out. Matthew 6 says, why do you worry about what you're going to eat and drink, where you're going to sleep, what you're going to wear? Why do you worry about that? I clothe the lilies of the field. I dress the fly. I, I, <laughs> I take care of everything. The trees, the flowers that you see, the beauty. I take care of it all. Why are you worrying? If I take care of something so insignificant like that, will I not take care of you? Can we bow our heads? Can you talk to the Lord this morning? God, I don't want to miss my divine appointment with you. You've set it up, God. You've scheduled it. It wasn't by accident. It's not by coincidence that I'm here. I will not believe the lie of the enemy. I will not believe myself, my own mind, trying to lie to me, trying to say it's okay. 
that it's another time, it's another service, I'll get close to God. Another time, I will draw near to God. But no, today's the day. Today's the day. Lay it all down and come to God. Can we stand? Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.